Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That's what our culture's done today. That's what our world is doing right now. We don't want to listen to God. We'll make up a God that works for us. And so we got to consider that the Lord made his prophets, not the guys worshiping Baal, He made his own prophets choke on this stew, gag me with a stew. He did this to them to get them to see how poisonous the Baal worship had become all around them, all over Israel. And friends, I think we need a similar realization of this ourselves, because there is a lot, and I do mean a lot, of bad sin in our culture. And sadly, Christians today have become just as accustomed to this sickness being in our culture as these prophets were with Baal worship being in their culture. There's a lot of agendas on TV. There's a lot of terrible things that God's Word says is sin that people are pushing in our culture that says, nope, it's okay to do this now. They march in the streets demanding to keep their sin. They march with pride for their sin. And a lot of the ministers of God today, the supposed Christians, They're okay with it. That's no big deal. Look at the prophets in this story. They were okay with it, and they shouldn't have been. These prophets had studied the Word of God. They knew the information, but it was only in them as mere head knowledge. Friends, we have got to get past the Word of God hanging around in our head. We have got to get past that. We have got to swallow it down deep into our spirit, down into our heart, where it will become a belief, and then we will get to see how disgusting sin is. We'll choke on it, and that will finally motivate us to get out there in our culture and preach the gospel message, along with the prerequisite that Jesus said in Mark 15, repent and believe in the gospel. This means you got to change. I want you to notice how repentance was listed first. You can't believe in the gospel and repent later. You have to repent first. It means you got to change. These guys were choking on the stew. Well, let's just eat the whole stew and we'll worry about it later. No, it was going to kill them. There was death in the pot, they said. They needed to change something. There's death in the pot. Okay, here comes the change. Throw some flour in it. They had to change something, and then it made everything better. Friends, you can't believe in the gospel if you're not going to change from your old life. You've got to change. You've got to do something different. You've got to turn back to the Lord God of Israel. I want you to think about how many people are out there sick and dying because someone who called themselves a Christian 
did not tell them that they had to repent first before they could be saved. Friend, you cannot be saved without repenting of your old life of what God's Word says is sin. If I want to drive to the city of Austin, Texas, I have to leave the city I live in. I I can't get to Austin unless I leave where I'm at. Friend, you can't come to Jesus if you won't leave your old life. Change is required up front. No change, no salvation. No change, no salvation. Today, there's a lot of what you call head knowledge Christians. They're running around with nothing more than their little sayings, the the cute little t-shirt and bumper sticker theology quotes that they like to say, like, not today, Satan, or Jesus, take the wheel. I mean, uh, there's another one. Uh, Jesus is my co-pilot. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm going to tell you right now, if Jesus is your co-pilot, you better swap seats real quick. <laughs> That's not going to get you anywhere. And that kind of talk never saved anybody. It is the word of God that is sharper than any two-edged sword that can cut and penetrate its way deep into a person's heart. You've got to know God's word, friend. You can't know some cute little phrases. You need to study the word of God. Don't just have a bunch of nice little catchphrases that you got off the internet somewhere that somehow eliminates the element of repentance. You've got to have repentance up front. Friends, we got to realize these prophets here were put in a situation to get them to understand that there was death in the pot. What was required at that point? They had to change. They had to turn. Something had to be done different. What does it take for modern-day Christians to see that there is death in the pot? There is sin in our culture. And we have got to understand that any belief system that tells people that they can be saved without repenting of their old life is nothing more than religious sickness. Friend, don't just pick up any old vine and say, well, let's eat that. Don't just grab any old religion that looks good. You need to be in the Word of God, or else you're just following religious sickness. 1 Timothy 4.1, now the Spirit expressly says, that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can you imagine sitting in a room full of demons teaching you what to do? Here's how you ought to do it. Here's how you ought to live your life. And there's these evil little demons. They're wicked as anything, telling you what you should be doing. And you go, oh, okay, yeah, sounds good to me. And you run out and do it? Well, the The Spirit says, don't do that. Have you ever had food before that tasted so bad that it was just demonic? (laughs) Uh, Watermelon is like that. Now, I hate watermelon. Watermelon is demonic, okay? (laughs) You ever had food poisoning before? I think food poisoning is about the sickest I think I've ever been in my life. Think of the worst, most disgusting stuff you have ever eaten in your life. And consider that there are people whose spiritual diet tastes like that every single day. They are so sick. What they believe has got their thinking is so foul that they can't even function right. The other day, I saw a video of Elvis performing a concert, probably about maybe a few weeks before he died, and he looked so sick. He could hardly stand up straight. He could barely walk. His 
his words were slurred and messed up. I'm not I'm not jumping on Elvis, but I'm just saying the man was sick. The problem is, and what's sad, is that there was nobody that was looking out for his health. They were just pushing him to make that money, more concerts, more stuff. Nobody was looking out for the man. There should have been someone looking out for Elvis. He wouldn't have had his last concerts look like that in that shape. Somebody should have been looking out for him. Friends, we're the Christians of today. We're the believer. We are the ones who should be looking out for the spiritual health of those who are sick. That's our responsibility. But what will motivate us to do it? Well, consider again how the Lord did not make the Baal worshipers eat the bad stew. He made his own guys eat it, his prophets. The Lord did not shout out, hey, all you Baal worshipers, get over here and eat this slop and gag on it. God didn't say that. God made his own guys eat it. Why did he do that? 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Friends, this verse should be our motivation. You can't point at all the unbelievers and all those bad people out there and go, oh, they're wrecking everything. It's their fault. Well, wait, wait a minute. Judgment doesn't start with them. It starts with you and me, the believer. This gives us the viewpoint that if we refuse to recognize how bad sin really is in our culture, then how much worse will it be for the lost? Friends, shouldn't the lost be on our minds? These prophets got a heavy realization from choking on that stew. They got to see how sick their culture really was. Christians, when are we going to get that same realization about our culture? When will the sinful taste of our culture get bad enough to where we finally choke on it? to get us to finally understand that there's death in the pot, to get us to finally say, we need to stop this. We need to change something. And so, friends, judgment has got to start with us. Isaiah 26 and 9, For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Guys, those prophets, they should have been doing more than just studying Scripture in their school. They should have been out with it. They should have done something more with it. They should have obeyed it. They should have sensed the urgency to get out there with that word they had been studying. And the same goes for us. We can't just sit in church, study the Word of God, and just keep it to ourselves. We got to take it out to the lost. That's why I'm on Set for Life Radio, broadcasting on all the radio stations I can possibly get on because I'm trying to do as much as I can to get this Word of God out to my culture. Do we not yet realize how sick the world is today and its deliberate sin? These prophets were put in a scenario to realize how sick Israel was at that time. Church, fellow Christians, believers, our friends, our family, our culture, They're feeding off of a pot full of death. They're sick, they're choking, and they don't know any better. But we do. They're dying from false God worship of some kind of another. 
Maybe they're worshiping money or something else. It's false God worship, and they're dying on it. They're choking. And after we realize this, we should roll up our sleeves and get serious about taking the gospel out to them. I can't reach the people that you know. You know people that don't listen to Set for Life Radio. You've got people you can reach that I can't. But right now, I'm reaching you. It's your job to take it to the people I can't get to. Friends, I'll tell you this much. I told people in my church, nobody's allowed to just come into my church and just sit there. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pearland. You're not allowed to just come to church and just sit here. You can't come in and say, good sermon, pastor. See you next week. That was great. No, that does not cut it. God's judgments are in the earth. And friends, I'm going to tell you, it's only going to get worse. And the judgments say, and the verse says, that people will learn righteousness. That means somebody's going to be busy, and we got to pitch in and help. But the people are going to learn righteousness through these judgments. Now, you may be thinking, well, Ray, if only I had this gift or if I had that kind of gift, I, I just don't have the time. I, I don't have the resources. I don't, I don't have the words like you do. Friends, unwillingness will hinder that blessing that the Lord is just waiting to unload on you. Remember the man that was held back with the food and these guys were starving? Okay, if you're in a bad situation, well, I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm not, I, I don't have time, whatever. Do you realize that maybe your own blessing that will enable you to get the gospel out and have provision, maybe your own blessing is being held back from you because you're not realizing the urgency of the time we live in today? The Lord is waiting to unload on you, to enable you to do the work that he has made us to do. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. (laughs) Friends, this says that we were made for this kind of work. Don't tell me you ain't got it. I don't have time. I don't have the nothing. I don't Whatever. We're made for this. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And the lost out there are wondering where the victory is because in their mind, They think they gave their life to Jesus, but without repenting, nothing is happening. They saw a vine that looked good. Oh, yeah, Jesus, come on, let's make my life great. But they don't know what they, they found bad religion. They are wondering why nothing's happening for them. And so what they do is they're going to measure themselves against those who call themselves Christians. And when they see our defeat and our lack of blessing, then nothing motivates them to turn to follow Jesus with all their heart. They think it's a scam. When supposed Christians live in defeat, they say, well, then I don't want him. They'd rather stay right where they're at, gagging and choking on their false gods. And friends, today we have learned how to politicize absolutely everything. Everything that's a sin. We've got some political lean on it, and it just throws everybody in a, in a conflict. Do you realize that our society's sinful agendas out there are more driven, they are more driven to spread their false beliefs than the modern-day church is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? When are we finally going to choke on it to get that mess out of ourselves and finally do what we're supposed to be doing? Only until we are purged of what ails us, the tolerance of our sin and our culture. When once that gets out of us, then we can go out and help the lost. 
How much blessing is being withheld from you, not just as an individual, but also as an assembly of many believers as a church? How much blessing is being withheld from us because the Lord God is waiting on us to choke on it long enough before we get it? Friends, from this story, I think I have found a better way to look at our own problems, our own difficulties. Look at your difficulties from this point of view, saying, This must be my realization that I need to turn to the Lord and start doing some things right. I've been following some bad religion. I've been following a false God. You know, Christians, we shouldn't be so friendly with sin around us that we actually end up fighting with God to where he has to choke us into submission like a UFC fighter putting a guy in a triangle choke. (laughs) I tap out, Lord God, okay, you win. Did you know that at any time you can just say, Lord God, forgive me and I'm sorry. It's just as easy to make that turn as it is to throw a little flower in a pot. And that's what we need to be teaching the lost, that one small turn of repentance, one little turn of repentance is enough to change everything. It will make life taste more palatable, more satisfactory, and very pleasing. Now, life can be nourishing instead of draining. 1 John 3 and 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. You know, there was a time when I weighed almost none of your business pounds. Okay. I was eating the worst food. (laughs) I was eating too much of it. And what motivated me to keep my weight down and to get rid of my weight, I lost about 70 some odd pounds. Okay. What motivated me to get rid of it? It's not to look better, but I was sick all the time. I was in pain. I didn't feel good. But my diet change and getting rid of that weight, I stopped drinking iced tea and Cokes and all that. I drink nothing but water all day long. I've got a giant jug of water on my studio desk here right now. I drink water and it just purifies. It just cleans you out real good. My change in my diet purified me. It purified my body. Friends, following Jesus will purify you. He'll purify your spirit, and then it'll go on out through your life and and your surroundings around you. It's a purification process. So when the man came and gave food to these prophets because they were so hungry, you think of it, the giving of the man's first fruits met their immediate hunger that they had that day. But what about after that? What about later? What about the food they needed from then on? Okay, there's more to the story here. 2 Kings 4 and 43. But his servant said, What shall I set this food before 100 men? He said again, Give it to the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left over. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. (laughs) All these men, they were these prophet guys, they were super hungry. They had a little bit of stew. And it was okay. I mean, it, it wasn't poisonous anymore. I threw a little flour. Okay, it was okay. I got a little something out of it. It was, it was just enough for lunch. But what about dinner? What about tomorrow? What are, we having for, what are we having to eat for the rest of the week? And so here came this man that God had been holding back from them. He was standing ready to be released unto them. God was just waiting 
for the prophets to understand and repent of their tolerance of sin before he would let this man come to them. Friends, we are all sinners, especially me. Those of you that think, oh, you pastors are so goody-two-shoe perfect. No, 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 no. We're all sinners. We've all had that sinful starvation and that sickness before. But with one simple act, as easy as throwing a little flour in a pot, you can repent and you can submit yourself to the Lord. And when you do that, not only will he take care of your immediate needs for the day, for right now, but he will also provide for your needs past that, and not just past that, but you'll have a lot left over, enough for all eternity. Psalm 107, verse 9, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Friends, just imagine all the blessing that the Lord has ready just waiting to release on you. Perhaps he's been holding some of it back from you because somewhere along the way you saw a vine and it looked good, but a lot of the trouble in your life that seems to keep reoccurring is because this harmless fruit that you keep eating is actually making you sick. Isaiah 45, verse 22. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Friend, you might have fallen for the false religion of money, the false religion of position and title and self-advancement, all these things that looked like a good vine. I mean, it looked okay, but there's death in the pot. You need to make a change. You need to repent. You need to turn around and come back to Jesus Christ. It's so simple. Get the poison out of your life. Be purified by the Lord God. Maybe you have it as head knowledge in your head. Oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. Noah floated in a boat. David killed Goliath, Adam and Eve, all that. Yeah, I know all that. No, no, that's just head knowledge. You need to swallow it down into your heart and believe it and give yourself over to it. Dedicate your life. Give your life. Submit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to where it can change and purify Throw a little flour in that pot. Get the death out of there. And then the Lord will come along with a huge amount of blessing just waiting to unload on you that he will provide for you from now on, not just today, not just for dinner, (laughs) for all eternity. Do you want this? It's called eternal life. It's called the gospel. Pray with me. Father, forgive me. I sinned. I picked up some bad religion. I started doing things my own way that I thought was good, and it's turning out it's not. Forgive me. I give you my life, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place on the cross. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. You are Lord. That means you're the boss now. I will obey you. I will pursue your word. I won't just have it as bumper sticker, t-shirt stuff, little cute little sayings in my head. I want to know your word now. I'm going to eat. I'm going to consume your word like a never-ending buffet, and I know it tastes good. I'm going to read it. Thank you, and I'm going to obey it. Thank you, God, for coming to die in my place. Thank you for coming after me when I was not looking for you at all. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.